0: All right, Mark chapter 6, we're going to look at a passage in Mark 6 and one in Mark 7 and see if we can put these two things together. Lord help us tonight. If it doesn't work, it's my fault. I'm I'm glad glad we can dig in one more time. But Mark chapter six, we're going to start in verse seven. So Mark chapter six, verse seven. uh, This is Jesus. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, in what place soever ye enter into a house, there abide till ye depart from that place. Place. and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when ye depart then shake off the dust uh, under your feet for a testimony against them verily i say unto you it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that in the day of judgment than for that city and they went out and preached that men should repent, Lord. We thank you so much for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth, Lord. I pray that you'd use me, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Help us to draw closer to you and your word, and Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, we pray. And Amen. amen. So Jesus is sending out the twelve uh, disciples out in pairs, two two by two, to go preach. Uh, the gospel and we know from the end of it uh, that they went out praise God I love it when uh, men just uh, go out there and do exactly what God's told them to do but it gives us a, a little clue it says preach that men should repent so we see yeah. this yeah. message of repentance is going out it wasn't just John the Baptist preaching repentance Jesus was preaching repentance and when he sent out the 12 he told them to preach repentance yeah. uh, so you can't get around that Uh, But also you think about this was Jesus really, see, uh, we could come in here and we could just teach or you could go into a classroom and you can learn things and fill your head with knowledge. Uh, But what Jesus wanted was he wanted them to actually take what they've been learning and go do it go apply it go uh, it's e- like i said when it's just the 12 around jesus it's really easy to call yourself a preacher to call yourself a disciple or a, a follower of god but then jesus has a a way of doing this he says okay the next step in your education is you're going out in pairs and you're actually going to do it right that that grows their faith that allows them uh, to leave the classroom and put things to the test Uh, And he because what Jesus wanted them to do is the same thing he was doing to go out there and preach the truth to share the message. And you know what I noticed is they didn't need any fancy equipment. You notice that? They didn't need all kinds of technology. They didn't need uh, different things like that. In fact, he told them to make sure they don't bring extra things, right? He said that. Uh, I don't, just a staff, uh, a pair of sandals, one coat, uh, and no bread, no money, because they were to rely on the people's hospitality when they got there. That would have taken faith. That would have taken a lot of faith. Now, again, people were more hospitable in that day, uh, but they had to leave the comfort of their own homes. They had to leave the comfort of everything that they would have fallen back on. Uh, and and here is what, again... Uh, Jesus is showing to us today. We're not one of the 12, but I believe we can learn from this. The devil, what's he do? He's always telling us we're lacking, right? You are you don't have the right education. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You're missing some talent or whatever. You can't talk plain. Remember Moses was arguing with God about that. And so many others have argued and, and used excuses and myself included, but we don't need any of that. God saying, hey I want you to take what you have and in fact uh, really it's not about all the things that you have it's about you trusting me you stepping out you going out by two for those disciples and God would supply what they needed you know what Jesus needs he needs us where we're at right now right he doesn't need us where we're at tomorrow for today he's got us right where he needs us he just wants us to trust him and one of the things I've learned and uh, uh, working with Brother Aaron on the finance committee at the school for quite a while, he would remind, and it would be so simple, he'd say, hey, uh, when we're walking by faith, when we're operating by faith, that doesn't mean God's going to give us extra. Sometimes he'll just give you what you need for right there. We've got to trust him. And if we need anything else to do what he's called us to do, we got to trust him to supply those needs. So this was a, 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 a test of faith for the disciples. They would have grown uh, by answering the call, by doing it. Uh, and not only that, but you think about they had to rely on people to stay with them and to bless them. Uh, but also by, by them not bringing their own money, their own food and everything else, it gave people an opportunity to bless them as well. Right, because if they'd have relied on themselves, they would not have needed, they could have paid for things, and it would just be business transactions. But instead, uh, it would have been a blessing to have uh, a, a pair of these disciples in your home for a period of time. While they're, you know, you'd have been able to ask them questions, you'd have been able to, uh, you know, get more teaching and everything else, and it'd just be a blessing. Uh, and and that's what God wants us to do as well. Lord, he, He's put us together so that we we can bless one another and we've had that happen at church here right we've had we have missionaries that come in and they're working to raise support and everything and we bless them and they're able to go out into the field and do different things that God's called them to do but here's the thing he warned them ahead of time he said hey you're going to go some places and they don't want to hear it right they don't want to hear your message they don't want you they're not interested they're not going to be welcome uh, and that's verse 11 right and and whosoever shall not receive you because there's going to be different ones where this will happen nor hear you when you depart then shake off the dust uh, under your feet for a testimony against them so they one of the things the Jews would have done in that day remember they hated the Gentiles so if you happen to have to pass through a Gentile city or a Gentile area, once you got to the other side, you would have shaken the dust off your feet. You'd have taken off your sandals, shaken it off. Because the Jews, they hated the Gentiles so much, they didn't even want any sand on their shoes carried out from there. They didn't want anything from uh, the Gentile area. Uh, but what Jesus is telling them is, I believe this is more of a spiritual metaphor for them, telling them, hey, uh, you know if you're going somewhere and they don't want to hear the message, and what was the message? It was repentance. If they don't want to hear the message of repentance, you shake the dust off and go to another area. And and there's times where we have to do this as well. Not literally doing that, but uh, but spiritually we have to do that as well. You realize you can waste a lot of time with someone who doesn't want to hear you. And usually what we need to do is stop arguing with them and start praying for them. And let God work on their heart. And then let us move to somebody who will listen. Amen. Somebody that will. And that's what Jesus was telling them to do. Uh, there's going to be people who don't want to hear it, uh, but we move on. And, and again, uh, the, the one that refuses, it's not that they don't deserve the truth. They probably have a hard heart situation that needs softened, and the Holy Spirit can do that. But then look what it says, the rest of verse 11. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Jesus is saying, "Hey, on that judgment day, when the dead uh, and hell, death and hell, are delivered up, and they'll stand before uh, Jesus Christ to the great white throne to be judged." Uh, he said this. Remember, one of the he also said this about Capernaum because Capernaum was where uh, Jesus's headquarters was, and he was at the most the bulk of the time of the Gospels. Uh, he's saying, "Hey, uh, there are going to be people that live a good moral life." but rejected Jesus Christ, rejected the truth. And so one man from Capernaum rejecting Jesus Christ, and then one man from Sodom rejecting putting their faith in God, uh, Jesus says, hey, uh, the one from Sodom that just lived wickedly and wouldn't, Uh, you know, didn't want anything to do with godliness or righteousness because Lot never witnessed the truth or anything to them. They're saying, hey, uh, the judgment's going to be worse for the one from Capernaum. The judgment's going to be worse from the one that refused the disciples. Amen. Refused to listen to that message. And that's the truth. The ones that are more exposed to Jesus Christ in their life will be more responsible for rejecting it in the life to come. Now, it's controversial, right? That's not something that a lot of people like or a lot of people will agree with, but it's what Jesus said in the Bible. But really, remember, the root of what they didn't like was they didn't like the repentance part, and that's what we see today. Right, isn't that the problem today? If you talk, what's the most controversial thing? If you're going to call it a controversy, that we preach and other preach uh, or other churches that preach and teach the Bible and the gospel, the most controversial thing that we preach to this world is that you can't just live how you want. And come to Jesus. You've got to repent and come to Jesus. That's right. That means you've got to turn your life around. That means there are things that you're doing that you have to abandon. Amen? Uh, that's the problem. And it's real controversial. But what do the other Bible versions say? Right? NIV. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And the verse stops. ESV, and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. And it stops. NASB, any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake off the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. And it stops. What happened to what Jesus said? Verily I say unto you, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. They delete that part of the verse. Amen? Why? Because people don't like to hear that they're going to be standing before God in judgment one day. And they don't like that they need to repent. And that's the basis of both that whole last phrase in verse 11. The last half of it is saying, hey, you're going to stand before God in judgment. And it's going to be punishment if you don't repent. Well, we got to delete that whole thing right out of there, don't we? Take it right out. Now let's flip over to the next page, Mark chapter 7. And in the beginning of Mark chapter 7, we're going to read further down, but in the beginning, Jesus uh, is there. You've got the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're watching the disciples eating bread without going through the ritual hand washing. Now we can read this real quick, verse two, and it says, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with uh, defiled, that is to say, unwashed hands, they found fault. And we could read that really quickly and say, well, that's disgusting, right? They're not washing their hands before they're eating, but that's not what it's saying because the Jews would have washed their hands. Like we say, washing their hands first, Right. They use the, the soap or the whatever of that day to clean their hands. But then after that, they would have done the ceremonial ritualistic hand washing after that. And that's the problem. The disciples washed their hands, but they didn't go through the Jewish ritual washing their hands afterward. And that's what the Pharisees had a problem with and the scribes. And they questioned Jesus about it. Why aren't you doing these things? And then, I'm not going to read it, but in return, Jesus starts talking to the Pharisees and scribes. And one of the big things he asked them. You're asking why they're not ceremonially uh, washing their hands before they eat. He's saying, hey, why aren't you honoring your father and your mother? Right? That's what he brought back to them. You're talking about this ceremonial washing hands that they're not doing. Hey, you're not even following the Ten Commandments. And you're going to point to the disciples and say, how dare they eat bread? Yeah, yeah. He's trying to get their attention. Well, they don't like it, of course. But then something switches. Well, the the last... Uh, And that's really verses 6 through 13. We're going to read 13. Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. He gave them one example and then tells them, I could give you a whole bunch more because you're missing the point. Now look at 14. We have a transition. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, hearken unto me every one of you and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears uh, to hear, let him hear. And what Jesus is going to explain is he's saying, hey, we are not defiled by what we eat, right? By what we put into our mouth. He's saying you're defiled by what comes out of your heart, Right? That out of the heart, out of the mind. Uh, Look down at verse 21. Uh, He explains this to his disciples. uh, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil lie, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So he describes it more later on. But see what he's saying? He's saying, hey, uh, you, uh, because remember, the Pharisees brought out the fact that they're not ceremonially uh, washing their hands. The disciples weren't and talking about eating bread. And he's take, Jesus is taking it a step further. And he's saying, hey, I don't care what you're eating. That's not what's defiling you. It's what's coming out of your heart. And then he lists all these things from pride, evil thoughts, fornication, (laughs) Murders, covetousness, an evil eye, pride, foolishness—all these evil things come from within. That's what he's telling. What about today's society? What do they care about more than anything? I hear them all the time at work. Uh, different ones talking about what, what they eat, what they can eat, what they can't eat, and they talk about this more than how they act, how we talk how we should talk, how we shouldn't talk, how we treat people, how we shouldn't treat people, right? How how we should be uh, acting, you know, romantically with others, relationships, what's permissible and what's not. They don't talk about that stuff. They talk about, my goodness, how dare someone eat processed food, right? And Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what's going in. Now, again, you know, for your physical well-being, yes, different foods. you got to do things in moderation and everything else. But he's saying that's not what's defiling you. What's defiling you is how you're living, how you're talking, your heart. That's it. As long as I'm eating organic, right, I can live however I want. And it seems funny, but listen to the world. Listen to them this week, how they talk. As long as I cut sugar and gluten and everything else, it doesn't matter if I'm living with someone without being married. Amen. I'm, I'm doing good. Oops, might have hit something there. But anyway, not in here, but maybe online. I don't know. Uh, But the Jews, they had all these dietary restrictions, all these things on washing hands, all these rituals, all these rules. And he's saying, hey, Jesus is telling him, I don't care if you follow every single one of these things on how to eat, when to eat, uh, how to fire up your stove and not on the Sabbath and everything else. You could follow every single one of those and your heart is still evil. That's That's what he's telling him. Every one of them. You know what? There's other religious groups, not just the Jews, but there's other religious groups that will only eat meat that's prepared a certain way, right? That would be okay with murdering innocent people if they're not of the same religion. It falls under the same thing. Yeah, I'm glad you're eating meat a certain way. That's great and wonderful, but you don't even care about innocent life. It's the evil heart. That's what's defiling a man. That's what Jesus was saying. And see, Jesus is saying, hey, your religious obedience, your ceremonial things are just a cover up for how truly sinful you really are. That's what he's telling them. And you stop and think about this. This, this part of what Jesus is saying at that time, if you were a Jew, would have been groundbreaking. I don't think we don't think about this as much because we don't we haven't lived following the law and the Old Testament, the restrictions, the ceremonial things. We we have not lived under that. But now imagine people that have their entire life, and Jesus is dropping a bomb and saying, "Hey, every single one of these things in the law," and he's picking one right here. He says, "Everything that pertains to eating in the law means nothing if your heart is not pure." That's Right. Amen. That would have been groundbreaking, not just for the Pharisees, for all the Jews, anyone that heard that, all of them. What we eat affects our physical body, but Jesus wasn't concerned with the stomach. He was concerned with the heart. And you know what the problem is? Even a lot of Christians have this backwards, don't they? But then in Mark, notice what he said in verse 16. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Right? Remember, in verse 14, see, in the beginning of the chapter, he's talking just to the scribes and Pharisees because they asked him a question. So he's answering, verse 6, he's answering their question. But then when we get down to 14, he's calling all the people. And then in 16, he's saying, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, hey, this is for everybody, not just the Pharisees and the scribes. If you were to go get you an ESV, English Standard Version, the CSB, I don't remember exactly what that, that's a newer one, the NIV, the NASB, and you look up verse 16 of Mark 7, they're all gone. They got rid of it. It goes, verse 15, verse 17, there's no 16. They just, it's, they're gone. And I sat there and I thought about it there's only about 11 verses that are totally removed from these modern versions. Why is this one of them? Because I started reading it, and I'm thinking, I, he's saying, if any man has ears to hear, and I, I, I was thinking, you know what? He's teaching everybody about living righteously, right? And not mistaking rituals for righteousness, right? That's what they were mistaken with. If I, if I follow these rules, if I do these rituals, uh, I will then be righteous in the sight of God. He'd already called out the scribes and Pharisees for forsaking their older parents and everything because of vain traditions, but now he's talking to everybody. And then I thought about it. Remember Mark six eleven? we talked about? They cut out the second half of that verse. That there'd be greater judgment for those that refuse the message of repentance. And now Jesus is telling all people that they need to repent because their heart is wicked and turn to him. Right? Ceremonially washing your hands doesn't cleanse your heart. You know what cleanses your heart? A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what does it. And I thought, you know what? In both of these passages, the red was removed. Amen? They were, it's what Jesus was saying. And then it made me think, did Jesus say it or did he not say it? Because if it's removed and Jesus, it's a lie, right? He didn't really say it, but the Bible's saying he said it. It's hard to say. But then I thought about what is being said in both passages. Both passages make it harder for the so-called church to be conformed to this world. Amen. Because if he's saying to everybody that it's more important on what's in your heart than what you put in your mouth. And if he's saying to everybody that you'll be judged if you don't repent of your sinful ways. That doesn't work for the modern church. Amen. That doesn't work for the majority of people today that claim Jesus but don't have a relationship with him. And you know what the argument is over and over again that the manuscripts of the newer versions are older. If you've not heard this, this is the argument. They found manuscripts that are older in age than the ones that were used for the King James Version. So they say that right off the bat, older is better. That's rule number one when it comes to what they're going to pick. Older is better. And you think about that, and I say, that would not be my number one. Older might be something you would consider, but it's not automatically better. Because that's what I'm telling you. I could write two things on a piece of paper. One could be true. One could be false. And as long as one is older, that makes it true. That doesn't work, does it? Especially since the older ones were found in Alexandria and Egypt. And the Bible never has a good thing to say about Egypt. Right. Right? And the Alexandrians, if you look at them in the New Testament, they're mentioned with Stephen, right? They're the ones stirring up everyone lying about Stephen and having him stoned for preaching the truth. But then one of the big things is this. During the Roman Empire, obviously when Jesus was on this earth, the Roman Empire was in force and continued for the first couple hundred years that the church was in existence. In about 303 A.D., Emperor Diocletian wanted to destroy every bit of the scriptures. And he was almost successful. He almost did it. So it worries me that when they have different sets of manuscripts that agree, and then we found a group that's much older, and we go with the older ones, it makes you wonder how they survive. How'd they survive? Well, you're thinking, well, Mike, how did the newer ones survive? Well, I showed you at the beginning. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. People did that. And not just a few passages. They did that for lots of the Bible. And you can destroy all the paper copies, but if you don't kill the person, it's still up here. Right. And they can teach the next person. And my God says, I, he can pure, his words are pure and preserved. Every generation, I believe he can keep them. Yes. And that's why it worries me that people will automatically turn to these other ones that tear apart so many pieces of scripture and change meanings and get rid of verses, but don't renumber them. You know why they do that? Because if you get rid of verse 15 and you don't skip to 17, then your Bible's going to be one off from the other Bible. And people are going to ask questions, why? So they try to hide it in there so you almost don't even tell that it's gone. You know what I find over and over again? A lot of these changes are so that way it's more accepted, not by the church, but by the world. Because the more it's accepted by the world, the more you can sell these things. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in God's word. Amen. And God's word requires, what's it require? Repentance. And if you don't repent and don't turn to Jesus Christ, you will stand before him in judgment. And what else? It's not what you're eating that's defiling you. No matter what this world's saying today, it's the heart. It's the heart. Aren't you glad that he's changed our hearts, given us a new heart, saved our soul? Praise God. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.